When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome to this week's Temple of Who podcast episode. Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. Love and salutations to you. I'm here as always with my co-host Kings with his fresh cut. Kings, what is going on? Man, just praying for this quick end to the NFL season, man. <laughs> I need this to hey. be over immediately. Hey, I tried to show you, but you was like, bro, you a week after me. <laughs> yeah. Uh Jordan also here. Jordan Latch, what's going on, my boy? I'm chilling, man. Glad to be here. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. All that good stuff. Let's go. For sure, for sure, for sure. Uh, we do have a slate to get into, but we would be remiss not to mention what we just saw from Luca the Don. Boy. 60 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists. The first 60-point, 20-rebound triple-double in NBA history. Uh, whenever somebody makes history, we got to bring it up. Just quick reaction to that. Crazy game. Um, Knicks are up nine with 33 seconds left. <laughs> it's a comedy of errors. Uh, Luca misses a free throw on purpose. At the end, down two. It gets bobbled back. He knocks it down. Goes into OT. Both teams are gassed. He closes them out like superstars do. Uh, crazy, crazy game. Tough loss for the Knicks, but just uh, it's, it's always fun to witness NBA history live, man. Um that's probably one of the wildest individual performances I, I've seen happen. Uh, I, I saw Kobe's 81. I saw LeBron at the Garden, the triple-double. So it was, like, crazy to see things like that. Just you guys' quick reaction uh, to that. Go ahead, Jordan. You were the big Luka guy before the draft. I remember you trying to tell me. Um, go ahead, brother. <laughs> yeah, man, I mean, you know, Luke always said that the NBA is easier than your European basketball and you know, the score, this, the score. He said to score, and he just he just proves it over and over and over again. I mean, this was a a hell of a performance. Um, the Knicks have issues. This is the second game that they've like literally just let slip out of their hands in the last week, including that Chicago Bulls game. Um, but, yeah, but man, you got to tip your cap to Luca. If his team was a little bit better, I would probably have him in the MVP race. But unfortunately, like they don't really give MVP awards to. Uh, guys on teams not in a top three seed historically, unless you do something like Russ. So we'll we'll see. We'll see if it, if he gets to that plateau. But I mean, he's one of the best players in the league right now. You know what I mean? And like we're seeing kind of a change of the guard um, as far as NBA superstars, which is crazy because you know we grew up watching Michael Jordan, and for a while after Michael Jordan, like the NBA really struggled with with star power, right? They they didn't really have like that next start. We have a handful of guys right now. It's crazy. It's a good time for in the NBA for sure. 
Hundred percent. Go ahead, Kings. Yeah, I mean he he's special, man. I mean, uh, like I, I always used to tell people uh, when I saw Lucas tape uh, before the uh, for the draft, I say, yeah, this is the best prospect in it, you know going into the going into the draft. But my thing was it was funny because I always thought he was older than what he actually was because he was just so skilled. I was like, man, this guy's so polished. He probably been playing the Euros for like two years, probably like twenty one. When I realized he was nineteen, he had all those confidence. I was like, man, this, this could be a this could be a guy. This could be a guy. And and Lord and behold, he came in from the beginning. Um, you know, you always know somebody's up next because they show it from the beginning. Like it's no question from the day they step foot in the league. They they show it automatically, uh, it, you know, if they one of those ones. So, man, I mean, he just continues to add to the legacy. Right now, um, you got that Western Conference Finals run. He's just playing with house money, honestly. In terms of right now, he's young. Everybody knows his team is trash, but he, you know, he's just ball. He's just balling. You know what I mean? It's just <laughs> what can I do to let everybody know who Luka Doncic is in, in NBA history? And that's just well, how he's playing right now. You know, he he had a great performance. Um, I've now, you know, being the guy he is, being on the trajectory he is, you obviously had some Laker fans come out and say that, oh, I can't wait for Luka Doncic to be in the Lakers jersey. I mean, if, if your team can't build around Anthony Davis and LeBron James, they can't build around <laughs> so I, I don't think you guys should be advocating for that because uh, your front office doesn't know what it's doing, uh, first and foremost. And, you know, but back to the point, you know, Luka Doncic, man, he's, he's one of those ones and, uh, Dallas can just get him one star. That's that's honestly what they just need. They just need one star with him, fill the fill the roster out. He's he's they're gonna go to a finals, bro. If he, if they just give him one co-star that stays healthy, and they give him they give them three and D defenders, and just defensive bigs, they're going to the finals. Giannis is coming soon. He the already Dallas? came. He no coming soon. He already here. No, mean? I'm saying no. I'm saying Giannis is gonna. Oh. Be- he went to Dallas. Oh, oh. I heard. See, I heard Giannis. I heard him. Uh, some people talk about Embiid. I, I think they're gonna get one of those international guys to come over. I think they're gonna get one of those international guys to come through. Honestly, I think Milwaukee's cooked, dude. And it's yeah, we gonna get into that because I, dude, I said it before the seat. I was like, I think Giannis. We'll get into this later. I think Giannis is the best player in the NBA. The rest of that roster, bro. Yeah, it's just uh, yeah. I, we'll, we'll definitely. Get to that later. Um, staying out east. Actually, last week we were going to talk about the Knicks because they had won ten in a row. And like, whoa, what out of nowhere? Um, they did lose all four this week, but definitely still trending upward. It's funny, even with that four game losing streak, the last ten games they have the best net rating in basketball. <laughs> Overall, it's tenth right now. Uh, Randall Barry and Brunson are playing uh, very well. I do think Randall and Barrett are really benefiting from Brunson initiating the offense. I think the big thing with though you were depending on those two too much last year to, you know, be creators for you. They brought fans back in the stands and we saw that Julius Randall is not a forty two percent three point shooter on five attempts a game. <laughs> kind of absurd what he did in the empty fan year. But he's still decent from out there. He is uh, having back to having a solid year. Not quite the second team all NBA year he had a couple years ago, but still uh, all star level. Just, I know before we recorded, Jordan, you called them uh, pretenders, but just what are your thoughts on the Knicks just kind of right now? What what data have you seen or just that, what have you seen from them in general? I mean, when they were going on their streak, I mean, look who they were they were beating. They beat 
Atlanta, who's, I mean, they're just a mess right now. The Hornets without LaMelo. Sacramento, who's kind of like been declining in the last few weeks. And then they beat the Bulls two times. And the Bulls are, they're a joke. The Pacers, they're up and down all year. And then they beat the Warriors at home. And the Warriors are like the worst team on the road. And then they face some good teams. Toronto, they face Chicago again. And and like I said earlier, the Chicago game, I mean, like they really blew that game. That was an awful loss if you really think about it. And on Christmas, they had a nice lead in the in the Sixers game and they couldn't close out the Sixers. The Sixers, you know, destroyed them in the second half. Yeah, what, man. Me and me and my family went to the front room to open gifts. I came back and they were down 17. I was like, uh, all right. Crazy. <laughs> One thing I noticed though, and uh Nick Nurse kind of I think he unlocked something and, and the rest of the league kind of sees it, is when you put length on Jalen Brunson, he really struggles. Since that game, he's averaging 14 points, th- uh, three rebounds, 10 assists, but he's shooting 37 uh, from the field goal, 27 from three, and 42% from the free throw line, dude. Yeah, the Warriors did that actually in the playoffs last year in that series. Like, he wasn't really effective at all between um, Wiggins and then GP2. Yeah. He's a little, like a little bigger, but he's just as quick and strong. Great defense. So, yeah, I agree with the, with the length thing. Um, we were talking about this four man. I think the Knicks are one of those teams that's kind of stuck in the middle. Uh, they're never going to be bad enough to get the player they actually need to ascend as long as Tibbs is there. And it's kind of a credit to Tibbs. Tibbs is going to squeeze every ounce of juice out of every roster he ever he ever gets. So that's yep. the other thing. So, you know, maybe that's that might be James Dolan's goal, man. Just be competitive, baby. Keep the garden sold out instead of go to a, a real, a real, real legit rebuild. But, you know, we'll see what happens, man. Um yeah, Kings, what you got about these Knicks, man? They're tough. I mean, like you said, Tibbs is always going to get the most out of a team. You can't, like you, like we talked about, it's hard to tank with a Tibbs, Tibbs team. Um, uh, like he's just, he's always going to make, he's always going to maximize the roster. That's why he's not playing guys like Cam Reddish, because um, he feels like if he feels like some somebody's not contributing to the way his team wants to play and to the way his team can win, he's not going to play them regardless of whether they want he, they should be developed or not. Um, so that's just how he is as a coach. He's always going to maximize the roster. Um, like the Knicks, it's, it's, it's unfortunate because they had that opportunity um, to draft that guy, and they draft and they drafted a uh, you know who, um, you know what I mean. He's not he's not he's not a bad player by any means, but he's not the player they need to go to the next level. And uh, when you got the number two pick that's what you need to get to the next level. You need to hit like the Memphis Grizzlies hit. They got John Morant. Now look at them. They're, they're contenders for the, for, to go to the finals potentially can be perennial contenders for years to come. So you, you have to hit on those picks when you get them. And if you don't, um, if you, if you don't hit and you're a team that's middle of the pack, cause you can build out a good roster, a decent roster. Then it's like, it's just hard, man. And that's what the bulls are thinking about right now. It's like, do we keep doing this or do we just mail it in and, and, and try to go fishing for, for in the lottery and to see if we can turn everything around? I mean, last time they did, they got Derrick Rose. So, yeah, they don't have the first <laughs> and, this year, though, either. Oh, yeah, it's all in Orlando. That's the other thing. When you make those big trades and miss, it's rough. Also, I'll say as far as the Bulls go, um, you could call it an iffy decision given the injury history. I don't know if anybody knew Lonzo Ball's medicals. That team is built for him to kind of be the engine. He's a connector between all those guys who are score first. 
you know, when he played, they were a damn good towards top of the conference team when he played. So it's just you don't have that connector there. It's when all every single one of your guys is looking to score and not create that. I think that makes it bumpy. And I think that's the Bulls problem to me. I don't disagree with that, but at the same time, like even with Lonzo, they were bad against good teams last year. You know what I mean? So I think eventually like they were going to get exposed because, you know, DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, as good as scores as they are, they're terrible on the other side of the floor. Yeah. And that's what, that's what killed them against the Bucks. You know, last year in the playoffs was, I mean, they, they couldn't even guard Grayson Allen. I remember that. <laughs> and when Grayson Allen faces the Celtics, he's non-existing. He's played off the floor. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, can't even play. That's an, that's an issue for the Bulls. They just have, and then you have Vucevic in the middle. I mean, that guy, he can't guard, he can't defend the rim. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny right now. They'd be better with Wendell Carter. Yeah, <laughs> like, they, they really would. And that's who they traded for. I was, that was such a bad trade. And like, they did that. They made all these moves under pressure to like be good again. You know what I mean? Because you know Chicago, Levine, right? Levine, Niners. right? Because Levine's impending free agency, and now he wants out. Yeah, that man. Woo! NBA can go from sugar to you know what in a like that in a day. Um, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Staying. On the East Coast in New York, on the other side, we got the Brooklyn Nets. Man, you talk about a turnaround. I never sold my stock. It hit, uh, you know, it hit point zero two cents on the dollar, but I held. Um, <laughs> <laughs> since Jock Vaughn, check this out, guys. Twenty and seven. Yep. Since Vaughn has taken over, third in net rate, third net rating, third in offense, ninth in defense. KD in that KD in that time frame. 37 and 6 on 59, 39, 92 splits. Kyrie, 26. I saw defender too. <laughs> yes. Kyrie, 26, 5 and 5 on 51, 40, 90 splits. Ben's giving them 9, 7, 6. And back to defending at a high level, which I probably think is most important for that team. Um, TJ Warren and uh, Yuta Wananabe, both double figures off the bench. Joe Harris, 40% from three. Uh, shout out, Paul. Vaughn got your boy Patty Mills out the rotation, which you've been begging for. <laughs> Paul been calling for a lot of these things. Vaughn been doing them, and they've right. been eating. So, uh, the, the bigger surprise for me, uh, I knew Claxton had defensive tools. I didn't know he was this good defensively. Uh, him and Ben kind of playing that 5-4 spot on defense. Like, they, they've they been uh, very effective at times stopping other teams. I think that's why they have a top-10 defense since, you know, uh, Jack Vaughn took over. Also, I think me and King said this. When you want a championship or bus situation, this is before Jordan joined us, having a coach with some experience means the world. Yeah. I thought the original problem with the whole Steve Nash thing is he, he had never even sat on a bench before. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the kind of kind of the, the issue and everything went left from there. But man, um talk tell me about the Nets, Jordan. What do you think about these guys? Is this is this legit or or what? Yeah, I mean, I think they're the best team in the East right now. Uh, 
I have him coming out of the East if it were to end today. Obviously, KD is a huge part of that. But what really solidified it for me was the other night when they played the Bucs. Uh, Kyrie and KD didn't even have great games, and they blew the Bucs out. Uh, Kyrie was 6 for 13, 18 points. KD 9 of 17 for 24 points. And that game was never close. You know what I mean? And if you showed me the box score before the game and showed me KD and Kyrie stats, I would have said, oh, the Bucs win that game easily. You know what I mean? And they didn't. And I think that's huge. Uh, also, Watanabe leading the league in three-point percentage at 54%. I don't know how sustainable that is over the course of a year, but that is incredible, man. And he's hit some big shots, too, like that one in. Yeah, my, my thing with that is with the attention Kyrie and, and, and KD get, the looks are going to be there. Yeah. So I think that's the main thing. If he, if he stays above 40, that's a plus. So, oh, but yeah, keep going. Keep huge going. plus. Huge yeah. plus. Yeah, I mean, the Nets are – they're an incredible – they're on an incredible roll. Uh, you can get Kevin Durant to win MVP right now, depending on the book, about plus 900, so 9 to 1. I think that's incredible odds because if they finish as a number one seed and they, they could absolutely do it, I think there is no question that Kevin Durant is going to be the MVP. Yeah. We're going to get into this later, but I feel, based on the discourse, a lot of people are very thirsty to get Joker three in a row, but we'll talk about that later in the show just for the historical purposes, but – uh, go ahead, Kings. Talk about these nets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like remember we had our power rankings. I always had them in the top five because I, I knew this was it was inevitable. Um, you know, Steve Kerr wants to talk about how they just got healthy. No, Vaughn is a better coach in every way than Steve <laughs> Nash. That's why they were able to partly turn it around, and that's why Kevin Durant wanted him out of there because he did not know what he was doing. Uh, for them to go all the way. That's no disrespect to Steve Nash. That's just the truth of the situation. Um, in terms of the, the the roster, like I always told you, I told you this last year, maybe because I said they have a really nice roster. I, I said, I looked at them on the two-way, when they made that hard trade, like they became way more balanced. I really liked that Ben Simmons and Claxton front court defensively because Claxton, I, he, he's, his has always just been his frame, but Claxton's always been great in terms of perimeter switching. And, and blocking shots at the rims, playing long. So th- his defensive emergence didn't surprise me. It was just, could his body keep up? Right. And could his body be filled up so that he can, you know, play the minutes he needed to to keep and sustain that impact? And he's been able to build his body up, and he's been able to do that. Ben Simmons, we know what Ben Simmons do on de- on defense. That's, that's a no-brainer. But uh, I think what really got me to like the Ben Simmons trade, I think it took them a while to figure it out, was just, I know he's got, I know he's not, very much of a threat scoring offensively most of the time, but man, he's a hell of a passer. And man, I was watching that game last game. Some of these passes we were making, threading the needle in between into into the paint with these sets the Nets were running on these cuts. I'm just like, he's such a he's such a versatile player in the sense that he can defend, rebound, and push the tempo up. He takes such he takes such right. a load on KD and Kyrie. Now KD can commit more to def- defense like he's doing this year. Now that he knows that he has guys who can actually defend for him and now he can actually put, put more energy in that and doesn't have to worry about oh i have to handle the rock i have to set other guys up because i got a guy who can do that and who can help me on defense as well so um you know it's it's him being able to set up run sets for them get Kyrie and katie their shots and like you know ben, ben can clog the paint for them, those guys uh sometimes but the thing is katie and katie and Kyrie are such good shooters that, you know, Renee is just getting to their spots and rising up. So it's not as much of a detriment as playing Ben with Embiid, you know, because they both operate 
you know, in that paint area. And, you know, in terms of like these guys, uh, Watanabe, for example, him shooting is a great emergence because that's a guy they need, like in terms of Joe Harris insurance. I mean, we know how Joe Harris is in the playoffs, (laughs) almost Mr. Unreliable. So having another guy who can actually hit big threes, like we've seen them so do so far is going to be important. And, TJ Warren, man, I've been a big TJ Warren fan for years. Bubble boy, but man, uh, got the got the got the bubble going up. TJ Warren, you already know <laughs> what it is, man. Like he he get he's a microwave scorer, but he's also he also has good size, man. He, he he's good size. He's kind of athletic, so uh, he has some potential on the defensive side of the ball too. He can he can compete. So um, you know, I mean, I. I I like this team. I, I like this team. That's why when when the next stuff happened in the summer, I was just like, "What are they doing, man?" I, I was literally just sitting there. I told Paul, I was like, "Bro, what are they doing? Just don't trade anybody and go compete for a title." Like, what are you? Yeah. What are they doing? You know? Yeah, I think it's two things. One, um, your stuff about Ben is accurate. They're using him as a passer. Uh, he's he's an excellent passer of floor vision. What I'm seeing is, ironically. Vaughn is using him a lot like the Warriors use Draymond, the yeah, non-shooter. Yeah. So if you're going to sag off like that, I'm going to run Kyrie and Katie off a bunch of dribble handoffs. They're just coming off down here since you're not up there to show. You know right. what I mean? Um, he's also great at pushing tempo off of rebounds. He takes such a creation, you know, load off of KD and Kyrie. And as a result, KD's being uber efficient. And I just got to say, just like put it on wax, you know, credit to modern medicine and just KD's talent. Just the greatest mm. probably sports career post Achilles tear like I, I've ever. I mean, like it's just crazy. Like you can't tell he tore anything. And that's a credit to how great he is as a player. And then just modern medicine, man. The 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 recovery from um, you know, from from devastating injuries. You know, he's not missing a lot of games either. So it's not like he's trying to manage the fatigue. He's he's playing like uh, Jacques Vaughn's played coach twenty seven games. Yeah, he's played in twenty six of them. You know I, think I, mean? the so, other, I think the only other guy who's bounced back, who, who's who's on the same path, was Steve Smith in, right. in football. Doing it in football, I think that's like the only other person who's bounced back from an ACL. I mean, Achilles to be this good. So he's this is rare. This is rare stuff we're seeing from KD. Like you said, he's competing. You know, he's not going out there and like uh, you know, being you know, you know, being played on restrictions or any type of thing. Right. He's going out there playing playing hoop to his full capacity. So. It's it's a special thing we're seeing from Katie on the twilight years of his career. I was gonna say too, uh, kind of alluding to the Katie minutes and, and games played last year, he kind of wore down at the end of the year. You know what I mean? And so I'm hoping that a the Nets can stay healthy because that's a big part of this. They have a lot of guys that are often injured. They have to stay yeah. healthy. You know what I mean? And then second thing, I just hope that that Katie and Kyrie don't wear down at the end of the year. Yeah, I think Ben's got to be continue to take some of the creation load off them. I think that you know that that will show itself more as the season goes on. Also, uh, like King said, TJ Warren, man, just have another score you can rely on for Spurs throughout the game. Like he's not even another all the way healthy. Yeah, exactly. Another guy with injury, exactly. right? I mean, I, how many teams you can can you say that for? There's a lot of teams you can say they got to stay healthy. So you're right. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah true, true. Right. Uh, moving on, got to give. This next one, got to uh, give Jordan his kudos. Um, Boston was running rough shot through the league early on. Jordan called it uh, a few episodes ago. He didn't know how sustainable it was because they were shooting like 
keeping like four guys shooting 40% from three on the floor at all times, which makes you unguardable, essentially, which they were. It was funny. So every set of 10 or 15 games, uh, Kirk Goldsberry will tweet out a graphic of net rating over the course of that 10 games. In the last 10-game sample size he tweeted on, December 23rd, Boston had the worst offense in the NBA with that 10-game slate, which was amazing. They went from the best offense up to that point, and then for a 10-game stretch, had the worst offense in basketball. Um, Started with that Lakers game. It did. (laughs) Second half. All right. So, uh, yeah, George, just just going and doing more about that now, you know, kind of thought it was unsustainable. Yeah, I think – I mean, are we, this is how they're going to be all year, up and down. You know what I mean? Because they really do rely on the three. Majority of their their shots come from the three point line. You know what I mean? And you know, I like them to beat the Bucks on on uh, Christmas Day because the Bucks are the worst three point defending team in the league. So I knew they were going to get a lot of good open looks. Huh. Uh, I, I I just don't know. How, that's why I like the Nets over the Celtics because I know that Kyrie and Katie can score in a multitude of ways. So can Tatum. You know what I mean? But the problem with the Celtics is they just rely so much on the three ball and they're not as good defensively as they were last year. Last year, they were the number one defensive team pretty much from December to the end of the year. And it wasn't even close. They were like historically good defensively. And I know Robert Williams just came back, but they're not as good defensively this year. They're playing at a faster pace. Right. And they're really relying on just outscoring their opponents. I mean, tonight they, they put up like almost 130 against the Rockets. Rockets are on a back to back. Right. I just I don't know how sustainable their style of play is going into the playoffs. I, I'll agree. Oh, go ahead, maybe. Go, 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 go ahead, King. I, I was gonna say I agree with that in the sense that it, it's not even necessarily the 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 three point shooting too necessarily that I know they shoot they have just been shooting lights out but also it's like the, it's like the shot creation where the three point shot. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like with the Utah Jazz, when they were shooting lights out, a lot of that was up the pick and roll, you know, dribble, pull up threes. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was a lot of their shots. And, and, and you know, with that type of style, right, if you're perimeter oriented five out, you, you're you're doing a lot of you're doing a lot of pull ups like Jason Tatum pull ups, Jalen Brown pull ups. You know, what I mean, you're relying on that. You're relying on uh, drawing guys out to create from from guys fearing you hitting your shots, to create angles for you to drive and kick out. But you don't have that rim pressure threat for real in terms of that guy who, regardless of what the defense is, he's getting to the paint every single time. And you have to send help. And there's always going to be a quality three-point look. They don't have that type of play. You know what I mean? Like the Nets, the reason why the Nets shooting would struggle in terms of when they got to the playoffs too was kind of, was in part kind of because of that, Right. Uh, with Kyrie and KD, it was a lot of dribble pull-ups, whatnot, and it would rely on them getting hot. But if you send certain coverages and make them play make, now all of a sudden it's it's a scramble to get a good look, right? So now then it becomes iso ball. But when you add a guy like Ben Simmons who can run sets, who can get the rim pressure and can create easy open threes for guys like Watanabe or a stretch five to hit, that's always that's a consistent offense. That's a consistent look that you're always going to be able to get a high quality look from. You already know how LeBron plays with that. You already know how the Harden style, the Luka style is. 
that's that is consistent three pointless and Giannis too with Milwaukee. Like even though Milwaukee was always shooting poorly, they would always still get quality looks because Giannis is going to the rim every single time, and you have to send help. So eventually, somebody's gonna hit, and they're gonna stay in the game as long as they get stops because there's always gonna be an opportunity to get a better look. When you don't have a threat like that, and you're missing, it's it it just keeps compounding because it's hard for you to generate better looks because when you're not when you're not hitting when you're when you're cold you need open looks like you need better uh, uh shot quality so you can get yourself going and it's hard to do when you don't have that type of you know rim pressure that at least that's respected you know tatum is a good rim pressure he can he can score off that's the game but i'm talking about someone who's respected where guys are gonna or teams are always gonna send multiple guys whenever you hit whenever you you know step by two feet you know, in, into the three-point line, they were getting ready to send two bodies over. Like that type of rim pressure is it, that when teams don't have that and they're a three-point team, I, I just hesitate, man, because I, I see it all the time. The minute they go cold, it just looks bad. It, it just looks bad. And that's essentially what's been happening the last 10 games. You know, they're they're five and five the last 10, kind of came back to the pack. Um, the defense is up to – it was middle of the pack. It's up to seventh now. I think Robert Williams obviously has tremendous impact on that, but yeah, the I'm just it's it's, it's kind of weird, man, with that team uh, when they choose to play that style. That's why I think Jalen Brown's a big key. I think he's probably their best guy as far as just uh, getting to the cup because he's being an athlete. So I think he'll be the key. Tatum's that guy. Obviously, I think Tatum's going to be the face of the NBA along with um, Luca going forward. But I think Jalen Brown is so like people. They're about breaking up the Jays. Like, I don't think you can do that. They play so well. They had another – both had 30 tonight, six time this year, that they both had 30. But, yeah, I think Jalen Brown's very important to that aspect just off of Kings part because they just don't get a, get a lot of rim pressure. Yeah. My issue my, my issue with uh, with the, with Jalen Brown, and this is what somebody talked about because I think Tim had a comment where he said, when we're bad, people say we're bad. Now we're good. People say we're Scotty. MJ, we're not as good. Somebody put a montage of Jalen Brown dribbling <laughs> and said, Scotty can't do this. But you know what Scotty was? Scotty was not arguably was not only the best defender of all time. Scotty was a hell of a playmaker. I'm yeah, talking yeah, about yeah, point yeah. forward, one yeah. of the OGs of the point forward. So I'm saying, and that's my issue with the Celtics. And I said this, and I thought Mal- Malcolm Brogdon can kind of help. But I, I sometimes I forget. Honestly, I think Malcolm Brogdon has that fake nice playmaking where that's <laughs> better than what it actually is on, on the court. But it's like Jalen Brown can get rim pressure, but is he a guy who can create for others off the rim pressure? Like, is he going to know how to break down and be like, okay, I'm going to get here. I'm gonna, I know I'm going to get help on this side. So that guy's automatically open. I got to throw that as soon as I see him coming. He, like, he's not that type of player. You know what I'm saying? And that's the type of players they need when they get into these bad shooting stints. It's like, okay, we're not shooting good, but you know what? I'm going to get – I'm going to create some space here. I'm going to get this guy off him. I'm going to take the rim. I know he's going to help. I'm going to dish it here. We got a wide open look. He hits it. Let's get some rhythm. They don't have that type of uh, of player. That's funny because all all this stuff showed itself against the Warriors. Like the Warriors were not going to let the Celtics just beat them by getting the gang of threes up. Like they had to really get generate offense and they just, they couldn't do it. Um, So that's a great point. Uh, Moving on to the Celtics hate rival, uh, our Lakers. <laughs> so said at 14 and 20, uh, AD is out indefinitely. They said he's looking seeking a second opinion on the foot after being out at least a month. Uh, they're going to check back in a couple of weeks to see if he can uh, try to play the pain 
is not as uh, severe as anticipated. So he may be back sooner than later, pending, you know, just testing and all that. But uh, Athletic released a report talking about the Lakers being hesitant to trade because they do not want to make a win-now move that would have very little impact and be a detriment to the future. Uh, I laughed because I think this was the inevitable play. This was their plan all along. It was um, just kind of stall out, and then it's too late to make a trade now because it's too far to call up the standings, and AD's hurt. That's their excuse. They never really wanted to get off those picks anyway down the road, in my opinion at least. They never wanted to, to get off those picks. And I think they just have an excuse now not to do it. Um, and it's, I've said this a few times, it's just very, whether you think LeBron, whatever level you think he had in putting together this roster or whatever, it's still sad to see an all-time great uh, kind of have to deal with this while he's still effective, you know what I mean? Still on a top seven, eight player in the league, you know, maybe. But game on Christmas was so sad, bro. It's just you know, the third quarters are the Lakers' worst third quarter team in the NBA for the second year in a row. Um, I think people blame the coach, but I think it is in the NBA. Your your lack of talent is going to show over the course of the game. So you can have mm-hmm. a great coaching, great scheme, but over the course of a game of forty eight minutes, a team is going to realize what you don't have. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think that's what's going on more so than the coaching. It's, it's a new coach, but it's the same thing. Third quarters, disaster. You know what I mean? So that that's kind of where I am with it. Uh, Darvin has being a good soldier, taking a lot of the 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 face of a lot of blame, which I said was going to happen because Laker fans are very you know into picking low hanging fruit. But yeah, man, it's just well, sadness. The one thing I will say about Darvin Ham, at least on the Christmas game, is that you know Russell Wilson, I mean, Russell Wilson. He's bad too, by the way. Russell Westbrook's out there, and I mean, he was he was the worst plus minus on the team. Like literally, that was when everything kind of turned around. And you know, he he just keep, he keeps riding with them. He kept making all these mistakes, bad shots early in the shot clock, turning the ball over, losing his defender on the opposite end. And at some point, it's like you have to show a message to your team and like sit the guy down, dude. Like he's obviously not getting it. He was a huge reason why they why that third quarter turned into the way it did. I mean, LeBron was like a plus seven in that game, and they and they they got destroyed. See, my thing with that, so you can say, and that's fine, that's accurate for that game. But a lot of it is there's also been some games where Westbrook has stabilized things. That's that's, fair. that's so. Fair. So the coach, like the when you, you rely heavily on his. That's second what I'm unit. saying. When a coach makes those decisions, he's leaning on past performance. Like, hey, he's had some good, you know, brought good energy at some time, stabilizes sometimes. So I think that's what that is. But yeah, you're right. He was awful on Christmas. There's no debating that. Uh Ham chose to ride with him. But I just, you know, I, I do this exercise for every every time they play a team that's in the top eight of the standings, I say, okay, aside from LeBron and AD, how many Lakers would crack this other team's rotation? Do that every time they play a playoff team. Well, Westbrook would make the Mavericks. That's, that's what I'm saying. You do that for every time, every playoff team the Lakers play, say, aside from LeBron and AD, how many guys that the Lakers are playing today, the real minutes, will crack this other team's rotation? Hey, I'll, and, I'll Austin Reeves in Milwaukee. 
Yeah, you. see, like that's that's probably one of the few. That's one of the few you'll have an answer for every night. But maybe Lonnie but Walker. My, my, my thing is, guys. they want Austin Reeves to start, and which he probably should be on this team. But how many good teams are saying, "Hey, we're starting in Austin Reeves"? He might start on Milwaukee. <laughs> well, you know what I think about Milwaukee. Go ahead, kids. <laughs> I'm gonna get into some things, and I get it. I get, I get. Look, I get. The, the why Austin Reeves should start, and in a better world, in a better built roster, he should. And I get have make some questionable things that just doesn't make sense. But you know what? I think people need to just stop the BS. To be quite honest, here's why: um, you start Austin Reeves, your starting lineup is still not good. That, that's the problem. <laughs> so now that your starting lineup is not good, you, you you know how you know why the Lakers have been competitive. It's because their bench is better than mo- or is better than most teams' bench. So when you take a good bench guy like Austin Reeves and you start him, you take a Russell Westbrook, who I've seen for some people to call to start and start him. Now you've made your you know starting lineup. You've taken your starting lineup, made it probably an okay starting lineup. It's not a good starting lineup. You still have the issue of Westbrook clogging, so you're still going to be fighting tooth and nail on that. But now your bench is trash. And now that your bench is bad, when you when you have to inevitably play your bench guys and your starting line is probably treading water at most, now instead of having that bench surge like we normally see with the Lakers, now you get destroyed on the bench. So you're still a bad team. You know what I'm saying? And then you have people who say, let's play Troy Brown Jr. for the size. I get it. He needs to play. I, I say he needs to play mainly because LeBron needs a breather, honestly, and you need to play bigger guys to take the load off of him. But let go before this game. Go look at what Troy Brown was doing. Uh, I said before the season. Watch his Chicago field. Go go look at what the, that guy was doing before this before this game. We had I had I saw tweets about people saying great job Troy Brown building up the confidence. I'm like, bro, go look at what Troy Brown was doing before this game. Yes, this is the NBA. You know what NBA players once in a while will have good games. Pat Beverly had a good game today. Is he good? <laughs> I, I, I seriously tweeted. I'm saying, look what happened. Pat Bailey having a good game. This is what NBA players do. They have good games once in a while. It doesn't mean they're good. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's like when people have a bias, when people have an agenda, right, they start hyping up any little positive thing and completely ignore the whole context of it. The con- yeah. the reality is the roster is terrible. Like, yeah. it's terrible. Stop, like, nitpicking 50,000. You can't even – if you are really trying to assess him as a coach, you can't honestly do it this year because there's yeah. no – there's there's no there's no real odds or real like team for you to judge him with. So it's like if you're really trying to see if Ham is a good coach, this is not a good year to see. You're gonna nitpick things where even if you did the right thing in your mind, it's still gonna be pretty much the same result because the roster is garbage. Yeah. So it's like until you have something that can give you a better result for real, that cons- consistently that he's not doing. Then you can't really you can't really assess. So I think the biggest thing just the in the macro for the Lakers was they should have sold the two picks in Westbrook in the pre in the offseason. That way you give Cam LeBron AD a camp with a decent roster on paper. Let's say they made the the Miles Turner deal, you know, or the or the Charlotte deal. You know what I mean? The Gordon Hayward that was uh proposed, you know. Give them a full camp. And I think most people, if there wasn't working out, most people, okay, you know what? They trade the picks. They they gave it a shot from there. But I think this was, I, I'm not going to call it sabotage. But it's, a sabotage. You, it's over. 
Yeah. So, so when you like, when you stall out to this point where you're six games under 500, approaching the halfway point of the season, uh, three games out of a playing spot, five games from the sixth seed, it's like, now people are like, do I trade these picks? And it's like, bro, you should have did this in the, in the offseason and give the team a chance from jump instead yeah. of digging a hole. Yeah. You should have realized this, Maples. Kyrie Irving was available if they gave them two. If they would have gave the Nets two first-round picks, Kyrie Irving would have been on this team like three months ago. They did not want to do it. And I get the logic of, oh, well, we have leverage. We want to do that, all that. When they were doing that leverage nonsense – like that should have let people already know how serious they were about trying to improve the team because anybody with AD and LeBron James with a chance to get Kyrie Irving is going to be like, hmm, let's trade these picks and get Kyrie Irving and right. let's get potential perennial contender for, for whatever AD's uh, prime years there are. But you know what? Their front office isn't looking at it like that. Their front office is like, we, we made a horrible trade with Russell Westbrook. We don't want it. I don't want to give up my cost control. It's the reason why they want to give up the picks is because they're cost controlled. Yeah. Because it comes down to the <laughs> fact that they are cheap. That's that that is the problem. They are cheap. It's not because they think they can draft some star with those picks. That is not the reason. They are cheap. That is cost control assets that they're gonna have to trade for a guy they know they have to pay. And they don't want to do that. That's what it comes down to. That's literally what it comes down to. They're cheap, they don't want to do it, and now we have this. We have this situation. LeBron is chasing Kareem. He still has clearly years left of being elite, but now he's tied to a team that he purposely – I mean, he signed the he signed the extension. He did push for the Westbrook trade, although he wanted other trades along too. He was one of the people who were kind of like, you know, I think we should go forget Westbrook. So, you know, part of it is him. But at the end of the day, bro, Rob Polink is a GM. It's, it's, that, it's that simple. He's the GM. Man. He's the one who makes decisions. He yeah. doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what he's doing. And we can and we can judge that from the margin moves. He doesn't know what he's doing. So, you know what I mean? So it is like what it is. It's like a like a manual built around LeBron, like chapter one, page one is like, bro, get, get shooters. shooters. <laughs> get shooters, page one. It's verse one. Yeah. LeBron is chapter one. Like, bro, just like just like get shooting. It's like it's been two straight years, just a dog. And and the cold part is. The Lakers actually have good, like, on the margins, it's been fine. It's just a big trade was a whiff. Like, Lonnie Walker with your MLE is good. Like, finding an Austin Reeves undrafted, you know, that's good. Getting Thomas Bryant for the minimum, that's good. But the big chunk move was adding, you know. And everyone wants to blame LeBron for it, but it's like, at the end of the day, you have people in upper management to tell LeBron, Hey, I don't think this is a good idea. You know what I mean? Like we're going to go this route and they're not doing it because there's too many people in that front office. And now you add Jay Moore, who's engaged to a uh, genie bus. <laughs> you got way too many people. Yeah, giving Rambis them. got Phil Jackson. Yeah. You got way too they many. They wanted Russ. Phil Jackson wanted Russ. From, from what I've heard. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. We'll see what happens with the Lakers. The trade deadline is in <laughs> In February, um, man, I, my my guess was they make a margin move with uh with none and none and Bev to consolidate into something. That's probably will be my guess. Find a team that's selling towards the end. That that's what I think will happen at least. Um, those are one year deals towards the deadline, man. If if Charlotte continues to stink, man, 
Just take the extra year of Hayward, bro. Send those two for the extra year of Hayward, man. You got to do something. Yeah. If you got one, I think that's a better idea because at least he can shoot. Yeah. That's yeah. I'm about to say, like, he, <laughs> he can space the floor. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, damn. All right. Now to the spicy portion. Got to close it out. So, Denver Nuggets, man, 22 and 11, number one in the West. Joker. No. Arguably playing better than he was last year. 25, 11, and 9 on 62, 34, 79 splits. Um, Denver's ninth and death rating, third in offense, 24th in defense, which I think will be their undoing. Ultimately, they can't guard anybody. But, yeah. man, do y'all think he could win a third straight MVP? I mean, anything's possible, but I think there's going to be voter fatigue in the sense because, like, I think voters are going to get over it because we've seen this guy in the playoffs twice after being MVP. He hasn't really done a ton, and uh, a ton is in winning. Okay, you're about to say he, he performs. <laughs> yeah, a ton is in winning. Um, I don't know, dude. Like, I just – is he deserving? Yeah, I mean, a lot of there's a handful of guys we can make arguments for, you know what I mean? I just think voters – the voter fatigue is going to be real. And if he does get voted MVP, I mean – I don't know because Giannis should have won MVP last year, in my opinion. Giannis had a crazy year last year. I, saw, I brought this up uh, to your to your to King's tweet had me dying. It was like y'all need to stop playing with Giannis. He 31, 31 11 and playing elite defense. Bro, like bro. They, they talk, they talk, they, they talking like he's averaging like twenty five on like forty eight percent or something. I'm like, bro, I'm looking at like he's thirty one and eleven. With elite defense, bro. Like, it's can we stop? Like, can we stop? Can, can we stop? I get it. You don't like his play style. You don't like him personally. But let's cut the nonsense out, bro. Like, let's just stop it. And to your point about can Jokic win? I mean, yeah, absolutely. But like, like I told Cam when you know he was talking about it more as a concern because I I get it from a a narrative standpoint. You give a guy three MVPs in a row, you're basically saying he is the best in the league, und- undisputably. That's kind of is kind of what you're saying even though we know that's not the case and there's context to this but in the grand scheme of NBA history when you win three MVPs in a row you're saying this guy's the best in the world but to that point um it's still early and the MVP race is way too close the standings in the west is just way too close for me to to say to start worrying about that you know what I'm saying like let's make it to post all-star break and see where everything's at for me to start worrying about if Joker's going to get three MVPs because you know he can lose three in a row and the Nets win four in a row and next you know KD's on the on the top you know what I'm saying or like the Nets fall off Giannis can win like 10 in a row and, and now the Buck you know what I mean it's just too much can yeah. change week it's just no point of me trying to you know well, worry the crazy, crazy thing is uh the market <clears throat> is saying Nikola Jokic is third in the MVP race right now they got Gian- Giannis is first in odds or I'm sorry Tatum they have him fourth Tatum's first in odds uh, Giannis second, Luka third, Jokic fourth. Yeah. They know the defense isn't sustainable, bro. They're gonna fall off. They're gonna get. A, they're gonna catch a bad losing streak. And other teams that are better offensively and defensively are gonna stay more consistent. And those guys who are on those teams are gonna be most likely to win the award. That that's how I'm looking at it too. Exactly how I'm looking. That's why I'm not really concerned about. It. It's way too early. Way too early. Kings does not want Jokic. I just had, I just had to ask. But, I, it's I mean, not that I don't want him to win. It's just it's early, bro. Yeah, I just I just want you to show like the rarefied air that that puts you in. 
Uh, Will Crazy, did it. Dude. Bill Russell did it, and Larry Bird did it. Like that's it. Like Michael Jordan did not do that. Best undisputed best in the world is what you're saying. <laughs> you give him the three MVP. I get what Campsley was saying because that's the type of area you're in when, when you get that. Like it's not he's not wrong for saying that. All right. With that being said, quick segue before we get out of here. Who is the best player in the NBA right now? Giannis. Giannis. Not, not, not. It's not like it's not a, it's it's not clear. But if you had to make me pick somebody, I would pick Giannis just from the consistency on both ends. Yeah, he's he affects the game on such a high level on both ends of the floor, and I don't think there's many guys in this league that do that. Obviously, KD's a better offensive player than Giannis. I would give him that nod. But the way Giannis just affects the defensive end, just I think it elevates him over everybody else in, in the conversation. Well, that's not spicy because I had a Giannis too. I just for the same reason. I just I, I don't think a guy impacts the game on both ends like uh like he does. I think like I think like Joker's probably a better offensive player. Katie's a better offensive player. Uh I think Steph I think Steph I think Steph is the like him and Magic are the two biggest best offensive engines. LeBron's up there too, like those three are the best offensive engines in NBA history, uh in, in their prime. So I think you know, those are better that's Better offensive player stats, but overall, overall impact on both ends. Uh, yeah, I'm with you guys. Hey, that's a great point, though. LeBron should have won like six MVPs in a row. If we're I being mean, the Rose, the yeah, Rose LeBron, Le, Le, LeBron and Jordan got voter fatigue. I mean, yeah, LeBron and Jordan got voter fatigue. I remember in like in uh, the Bulls won 72 games, Jordan got it, and then they won 69 the next year, and Scotty missed a bunch of games, and they just gave it to Malone because he like. Campaign for it. <laughs> like they won seventy two, they won like sixty nine the next year, bro. Yeah, I mean they gave it. They gave it to Rose because it was a good story. The Bulls were the one seed. I mean, even though LeBron's metrics was better across the board, yeah. You know, so it's like yeah, the, 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 the one seed. I think the one thing that is the criteria changes from generation to generation. Like in the, every few years, I feel like the criteria changes. Not so a consistent. Dude, all right, so there's we have to start campaigning. There's no way Jokic can win three in a row. <laughs> King said, well, "Well, I think you think about what it says. I think Kings is right. Like in a macro, like you look back, you say three in a row. Like he was clearly the best. Like it's him. Yeah, because we're gonna look back on the league in twenty years, and Jokic isn't gonna have an NBA championship. You're gonna say this guy won three NBA MVPs." What in a row? Not just three in, total. <laughs> yeah. in a in a row. Because you can you it, it's fine to say he was a great offensive player, put up great stats, and won two MVPs. I mean, Nash has two MVPs, but when you win three in a row and you look back, you're just like, how did this happen? He not win. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like you, you know, it's just it, it's it's something that at least in terms of how we look at the game, it definitely affects it. But I mean, it's context to it. So if they were to finish the one seed and he got the game. I, it's understandable. I mean, you have to do it based off how you've been given the award out, you know? Also, I think the harder, this is the most talented the league's ever been to. Yeah. So I think mm-hmm. it's harder to to gauge stuff like that. Like, there's could only be one MVP, obviously, but, you know, with the talent, the league is crazy. So I think that's, that's why I don't think he's going to win it either. Because, okay. the, because okay. as crazy as his stats are, you look at guys he's up against, they have crazy numbers too. Yeah, so literally – it literally becomes down to whose team stays, weathers the storm throughout the season and finishes strong. Like, that's why I'm just like, I'm not worried about the MVP because his numbers are great. So is Lucas. 
So is KD. So Tatum. So Giannis. So is Embiid. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we got we got we got to talk Philly next week too. They're uh they're they're been crazy since Harden got back and Max is coming back, so they're definitely interesting. Uh, before we get up out of here, Jordan, tell us, uh, give us a nice little gambling tidbit for next week. What's been what's been a good play for you on the NBA? I was gonna say people have been uh messaging me telling me to give out more bets on the show. Uh, so I got two bets for tomorrow, which would be uh 28th of December. We're gonna go San Jose State plus five against UNLV at home. The San Jose State team is much improved. All right. We normally look at San Jose State as a laughing stock in college hoops. Not any longer. This is a good team. All right. Gang, San Jose, baby, stand up. <laughs> yes, you, know, you know what's crazy? Uh, we were playing in the Delta College tournament. Uh, we shared a hotel with San Jose State. So I actually met some of the staff. That was actually dope. Uh, okay. They so turned it around, man. And they built new facilities. They got a lot going oh, yeah. on. I was there when they was building the mall, man. They 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 look nice right now. Yeah, they got to tap in. Like state schools are easy to get into. They got to tap into the local talent, man. That's a lot of local talent around. Stop letting these boys go across the country, man. Yep. Yeah. They absolutely. It, it's it's been it's been the issue with San Jose State right. for years at this point. It, it's always been that. It's been that way. Well, man, anyway, make sure you follow. One more. We got an NBA play. You guys are gonna love this one. We're gonna go Lakers plus seven at Miami. Uh, Lakers are four and one against the spread with rest disadvantage, and they're four and zero against the spread on back to backs. My numbers say this should be closer to a three. I don't know if Jimmy Butler is going to play. I don't know if Bam Adebayo is going to play. So get this number now before it falls anymore. Plus seven Lakers. Plus seven. And, and it's Brown against Miami. So you oh know yeah, what to Brown. Do. Yeah, I remember Brown plays plays up in Miami. Uh, make sure you guys follow Jordan Rules TSP. On Twitter, follow top in with Tap Rule Sports, the gambling and the football podcast he has. Uh, R.I.P. Kingsbro on Twitter, the new, the 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 new, the new, uh, you know, the new handle. <laughs> uh, follow myself, JJ Maples fifty five underscore MST. Uh, we appreciate you guys following, subscribing, leaving feedback on the iPad. We are going to definitely do a question and answer pod q a pod we'll get that out there to you guys and start taking your questions you guys be safe and we are out of here